Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney Awake and sentient, Mike and Degley. Sentient? Sentient, huh? Ooh. My mom watched QVC, so I was the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on It's 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. You're going to listen to Mike and I wake up live on air. Live. 24 hours ago. Yeah. Assuming you listen on Tuesday, probably weeks ago. Probably weeks and weeks ago. Or months. Or never. Yeah. Possibly never. And yeah. welcome to the <laughs> Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which uh, me, I'm Keith Farney. I talk with my buddy, Mike and Deglio, all about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. We are deep into the final season of The Practice. We're almost halfway through the season. We are up to season eight, episode 10, Equal Justice. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Remind me to tell you about a dream I had uh, just nay hours ago. Okay, you want to tell me about a dream you had? Well, I well, I wanted to. I, I I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to like not say hi before I'm like, I oh my god, now. Uh, I'm I'm good. Tell me about your dream. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Yeah. Well, I I thought you would like this as a guy in rehearsals for a show right this very minute. Uh, that I had this like long intense dream about being fired from the ensemble of Funny Girl on Broadway uh, because I couldn't remember any of the choreography. And so... That tracks. Uh, it, it, it 100% tracks. Uh, but what what I think you would enjoy is my thought process in the dream. Okay, so we're we're like performing on the Tonys or for like the thing, right thing. And I'm, I'm in the ensemble and I'm dancing and I'm like, oh crap, I don't remember any of this. Stay low, stay low. So I'm like hunkering down, trying to stay behind people and flailing my arms. And then I just sort of, and, and then my mistake, and this is what got me fired, is like, I was like, all right, fine, I'll pop up and I'll do a twirl. And that's when everyone else went low. And so you just have this one like fat guy in the back doing a twirl for no I reason. Mean, I, and that's... I do enjoy that, but I would say it begs the question: Can you get fired from a show that already closed? Uh, it has not closed. It opened I yesterday. I don't got it, it to not to middling reviews at best. I'd say, but to well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's some really talented people in it. Yes, uh, but you know, the... a lot of those, a lot of those uh, musicals that were built as vehicles. In fact, uh, famously, that gets the story goes that. Uh, Streisand was third on the list of people they wanted to hire for that show, but the composer was like, I'm going to keep making the score more difficult so that only she can sing it. Right. Uh, and when you when you build a show around, what's the other one? What's the one uh, they used to do all the time with, uh, she's in the, ele- they're in the elevator, they're stuck, uh, and he's real nervous Nelly. Oh my God, what is that? Uh, 
Oh, was it Promises Promises? No. Anyway, my point is is that you know a lot of these musicals they built for star vehicles, the reason they work is because there's like a supernova in the lead role. And even a very talented, great person isn't that isn't a supernova can't supernova can't always carry these shows. That's that seems to be the case here because uh she's a very talented actress, but uh, Yeah, well I I, I have I have not seen it, so I cannot speak to it. Uh, but my good friend Tony uh, is uh, is playing opposite Jane Lynch, so that's oh, fun. That's great. Congratulations to him. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, on the other spe- end of the spectrum from Broadway is I'm doing a little play. Yeah. At a how how are rehearsals going? Oh uh, well, we're. It's been an interesting thing. You know, we're at that part of the rehearsal process where you uh, are convinced that you're terrible. Um. So that you specifically are that terrible? That you specifically or the... are terrible. You're like, wow, I, I, th- <laughs> I can't do this. I, I thought I could do this. Uh, but what's nice is that as since we've do- been doing this for so long, uh, rather than being in your 20s or even early 30s and thinking, actually, I'm terrible, you, the voice is louder now. The maturity voice is louder now that says, no, no, you're in the second week of rehearsal. You're fine. Your instincts will carry you through. It's going to be fine. And that's going to be fine. Yeah, it's it's going to be just fine. Um. Yeah, so it's going the the you know the balancing of two jobs is, and then this has become this is kind third of a job. job. Yeah, so it's a lot, but um, that's okay. It's it. This what a what I'm, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say on the internet. Uh, <laughs> this will be the first time you've thought that. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna vague book a little bit. So we were flipping through the channels yesterday, and we came past the History Channel, and the History Channel was playing a documentary about a very serious subject. I'll just say that much. And me and Jen quickly were like, yeah, we're fine. Everything's fine. Like pers- uh, perspective comes so in many are, forms. And th- are, I was are, like, are you oh. saying that the stress of uh, preparing to perform in I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change does not quite compare to World War II? <laughs> in many ways, <laughs> yes, I'm saying that. <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous thing, but it's it's there's truth to it. You get so mired in your own crap, no matter what your crap is, and you have to every once in a while like take a step back and be like, okay, hold on. I'm just I mean I'm just rehearsing for a musical. I get it. Sometimes you forget to write down the blocking and you go don't know to you know whether to go stage left or stage right or what whether you turn up stage, but it's not the Holocaust. So there's that. <laughs> Quite literally, Keith. Quite literally <laughs> is what I'm saying. Wow. Wow. I have well, a, no, uh, I will say wise words. Uh, God, talk about it's Monday, whatever. As- asynchronous <laughs> thought. My dad uh, had an experience with my dad way back in the. We're going to the basement early, way back in the day, where me and my sister were goofing around, and we were young. I'm talking like seven to ten years old, and he was watching a, a documentary on the Holocaust, and we were goofing and giggling, and he was like, "You don't laugh when something like this is playing." We weren't laughing at it. It just we, we haven't probably in the weren't same paying room. attention to it at all. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know why. As a child, you would be, but and uh, it's weird that that stuck with me because he was like viscerally upset, right? Um, and subsequent to that, I find that like whenever I'm just like flipping through the channels and I come across a documentary of that subject matter, regardless yeah. of what I'm looking for or the mood I'm in, I force myself to watch it, and that's. What mm. exactly what happened last night? I was flipping from sports games, and that came across it on history, and I was like, I have to watch this now. Or no, it was on mm. PBS. I should quote it. And it was, and Jen was sitting there, and we kind of like 
we both sort of had a moment of, ooh, it, that shit is heavy, man. Ooh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not preaching to the. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's so much of it now, right now, though. So I'm glad that we get to spend yeah. a little hour of our lives to like talking yeah. about this stupid crap. Because well, that yeah, there's it's the... heavy, man. Well, and and what's happening right now in this very in the world right this very minute is atrocities. Is, oh my god. Uh but that's not what you're here for, so we're not going Ooh. to and also we are not qualified to speak to any of that. So no. uh you, you know you know what we're qualified to speak to? The best transition of all time. How you can reach us. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm sorry to everyone and I apologize that this is even happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where we think, should we just start over? But we're yeah, not going no, to. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's. Look, how can you? Uh, if we don't laugh, folks, we, we just lay down and never get up. Um. Hey, write us an email. Out of practice podcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. Uh, that that helps. Uh, oh my god! Leave us a rating or review on a podcast service of choice. Send a friend the thirty five thousand hours of podcasts that have already aired and say listen to these two insane people slowly go mad over two years of their lives or even better folks mm. become one of us and you can do that by mm. joining our patreon that is at patreon.com slash k and m k a n d m and you'll get all kinds of goodies you can help us uh offset time we pour into this futile effort uh, with our two other shows as well we just launched the deep space nine review show you can watch that along with me as a patron or you can just hear keith and i talk about it for free on the youtube it will remain free thanks to our current patrons brian and alan thank you you are legion well, yes, Brian Kaufman and Alan Zimmerman, as well as our uh, Oops patrons, CloudLover69, CloudLover69, and Jorge Novoa. And you say two years. Uh, sir, we have been doing the Out of Practice podcast for more than three years. Our uh, first our first episode aired uh, on uh, January 30th wow. of 2019. Well, folks. This just goes to show, if you have a dream, just keep chiseling at it, and eventually you will have made a statue out of granite that nowhere near resembles what you had in your brain when you started. You know, for uh, at the $10 level on uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash K&M, you can actually watch Mike's dead eyes as he speaks. <laughs> You have to pay money for it. <laughs> you have to pay money to see Mike's dead shark eyes. <laughs> That's what he says word. I don't dead actually know where to look. I'm trying eyes. to watch the, the meters and stuff, but also look at the camera, but then not want to look at the camera because I'd have to see myself. Guys, you there's know, a lot going on upstairs right now. And when you get a little tired, they cross a little bit. It's uh... Well, when I... Uh, it, it's interesting you say that because... Um, I learned early on from uh, the associate choreographer of Jersey Boys at an audition. 
And he said, hey, do you wear contacts? And I say, yeah, but I don't like to wear them. I usually just wear my glasses. He's like, you need if you're not wearing your contacts, he's like, and you're thinking very hard, your eyes cross. <laughs> he told me that <laughs> in an audition. And I was like, oh, my God. And it's true. Uh, and you're seeing it for $10 right now on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How much money do I have to pay not to see it? Hey, Jen, can you get my glasses? <laughs> No, you don't have to be self-conscious. Nobody's at the ten dollar level. You're right. There's uh, okay. It's me and you, Brian. Oh my God. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Let us continue forward with the show by talking about the time period in which this episode aired. That's season ten, episode season season eight, eight episode, episode 10. ten, equal justice, and uh, which aired. On December 7th, the year 2003. And uh, you can help us answer the question, Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. I don't know, man. We're, we, we had to be rehearsing by now. We had to be. We were not. How was we that possible? Not. We didn't start rehearsals until December 14th. Oh, my God. So this is the final week of the in existence that Keith and I didn't know each other. It is absolutely true. That is, I mean, history. History. Uh, so I would have just moved back into my old apartment. And, ah, uh, yes. The weirdest tidbit I've probably ever shared on the show. Mm -hmm. The guy who had been subletting from me that I was about to sublet from from in my own apartment was weird. How weird, you ask? Well, I went back into my room, and what was there was, you know how, like, you walk into a Wawa or a 7-Eleven or a, a sure. convenience store like that, and they like have all the Hostess cupcakes and Twinkies and such on like a wire rack kind of display mm -hmm. case. Well, yeah. one of those was in my bedroom. A giant, like stolen from 7-Eleven or garbage picked wire Hostess cupcake display rack. And uh, just his, like, I guess he was keeping underwears and socks on it, but... Uh, oh, oh, that's not nearly as fun as I was hoping. I was hoping it was going to be filled with the hostess snacks. No snacks, no. I mean, now, future sublet, years and years later, weird one, we had to ask to leave for reasons. Um, <laughs> and that person, their kind of, like, F you for us as they were leaving was they left, they had gone to the supermarket... And purchased mm -hmm. individual like pounds and pounds of like mushrooms, raw mushrooms, oh. uh, and dumped them into the bathtub. Like my bathtub was like quarter full of just raw mushrooms, and that was there. Like <laughs> go f yourself, <laughs> which I'll never <laughs> quite understand. I mean, it was a pain in the ass to like clean up, so I guess that was. But the the amount of work to purchase that many mushrooms to dump well, into that's the tub. The thing. I'm I'm so like I'm so impressed with like the effort. The effort far outweighed the the dividend it paid to screw us. Because but but there you go. I I well all right. I need to know the rest of that story. Like why did you have to kick them out? Oh, we had to kick a lot of people out. We we've have we have a lot of stories from that apartment. But uh, that's for another uh, podcast, I guess. Because I don't think we're gonna get there. Oh okay. All right. Well then. Uh... Hold but on, anyway, Keith, I was prepping. I was putting my socks on the hostess Twinkie rack uh, in preparation to meet just my the love of my life a week later. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. Uh, well, I, actually, it was December 15th was our first rehearsal. Our rehearsal period went from the uh, the 15th through the 31st of December. I have the email here from Trinity. And Trinity, then, who, uh, uh, who has gone on to great success. Yo, yes. And uh, we, we teched January 2nd through 4th, but we know we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Uh, so in my basement... Um, Yes, I, I noted that we're one week from the beginning of Titanic rehearsals. In Vermont, uh, they got 26 inches of snow that day, uh, which is, uh, you know, Vermont. And uh, this was, uh, you'll, you'll like this. So I did a, uh, a casting workshop, right? A, like, a, like a workshop you do with the casting director. You pay the casting director and you sing some songs for them and they coach you or whatever. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a total scam, but that's what we did. Pay for uh, play, baby. Pay for play. He never cast me in anything. Uh, but he told me, he, he said some nice things. So it wasn't like he was like, go fuck yourself. Uh, but he's like, you, sir, need a queer eye makeover. And Did he boy, say those words? He literally said that. And, uh, and, and he, was, he was right. And I, frankly, I still do. Uh, 20 years later, I could still definitely, now queer eye is a, has been revived but he was. This was the original series mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I needed. He said, "You you need a little help, sir." And I'm Needing like, "Needing a queer eye makeover is sort of your brand, though." So it it is. It is. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, on tour, we had some of our cast members help try to help me. Um, it was a it was a losing battle, but I did appreciate. We all went to the mall, and they actually literally tried to queer eye me, and they helped. A, a few things improved. Just not enough. And I'm wearing All, them today. <laughs> I'm wearing my, yes, I, I'm wearing a Walmart hoodie and a free t-shirt I got from a 5K. And that's my, that is my queer eye. So anyway, let us talk more about. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. If what they say that nothing is ever Yes, indeed. We are listening to Hey Ya, Outcast version. And the local paper in uh, Burlington, Vermont, talked about tire-burning dispute echoes past conflicts because in the country, people burn tires. And uh, they say don't do that because it's atrocious for the environment. But in Vermont, there's always the, uh, let me, you know, I want to do what I want on my own land, goddammit. And uh, it's, it's one of those things. The top movie was... The Last Samurai, which of course was uh, headlined by a white guy. No surprise. Did people actually see that movie enough for it to be the top movie? People saw that movie? $24 million worth. They sure, sure did. Well, if people are willing to go see Tom Cruise do that movie, they should absolutely go and subscribe to Obadiah Parker's YouTube page. Because he's given us a killer cover of Hey Ya here. It's Obadiah Parker on YouTube. Oh, he's got 18,000 subscribers. He don't need us. He, he doesn't All need right. our help. No, he, he doesn't need the non-existent oopsie bump. All right. You know what does need an oopsie bump? 
It's time, it's, time, it's, time. it's time for sports. The New York football giants lost yet another game, dropping to 4 and 9 against the Washington Racist Names 20 to 7. Kerry Collins was so bad he was pulled for future bachelor Jesse Palmer, while Mr. Elizabeth Hasselbeck threw two touchdowns in the win. Meanwhile, the Eagles won a big matchup against the Cowboys. The Eagles were now 10 and 3. Hey Keith, uh the uh, that the RVO there reminded me. I know you brought it up a week or two ago, but uh, a, a, an artist I used to play for when I was New York based, uh, David Allen Thornton, aka Not North. He just released a new album. He's playing at Rockwood Music Hall this next month in June. And uh, alongside him, I don't know who's going first, but is uh, our good friend of the show. Uh, Eric William Morris, who also released a new album. So go check them both out. If you're in the New York City, greater metro area, check out Rockwood Music Hall. And there you go. That's right. Yeah, I think Eric's playing Wednesday. Like in, uh, it'll be the day after this airs. So okay. uh, get get your tickets immediately. Yeah. Uh, we won't Eric's be there, album but, is great. Uh, yeah. No, 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 we will not. But, but yeah, no, Eric's album is fantastic. Go find it on your uh, album service of choice okay uh you know what it's time for you know how many times have i said that over the years because it's what i do when i'm trying to find the bumper and i can't so i'm just literally filling time it's humanity god damn it Uh, my life has value and i'm not gonna take it anymore it's time to talk about the damn episode that was so much better. At the $10 level, you can see Mike's <laughs> dead eyes while he sings. An odd colored tongue. His jaundiced and, tongue. I don't know. Maybe we need to have a uh, get some blood work done after this because that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but that's not a natural human color for a tongue. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, they've never missed a week before. What the hell happened? Well, they just—it was just so bad. They just couldn't do it. They so just couldn't do it. Instead of getting much-needed medical attention, <laughs> basically just Keith roasted Mike's physical appearance, which cannot be seen by anybody unless you're at the ten-dollar level. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/knm. I can't wait for the next fifteen minutes in which we pitch a segment that we we're going to alter this week, and Keith totally forgot. Until I brought it up right now. Oh, yeah, I sure as heck did. Uh We even got an email about it. We're about to do a segment where Phoenix wrote us a whole email about it. He didn't write an email. I would have seen an email. I would have left it marked unread. He sure did. Oh, no. You know what? He sent us a a messenger because he's in the inner circle. See, exactly. All right. So. No, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it on the fly, just okay. like you do your uh, jaundiced your tongue. All right. Your jaundiced tongue. What will your jaundiced tongue say? But first, before we do that, we need to announce who wrote and directed this episode of The Practice as I pull it up. Here it is. It was written by David E. Kelly all by himself and directed by Andy Wolk who I am sad to announce this is his last episode of The Practice as a director. The last episode he did was Final Judgment, but this is his final 
episode. It's our fault. We drove him to this. We drove him to quit. I think we've driven a lot of people. Uh, you probably should listen to this while you drive because you might want to, you know, drive into traffic. So the next question is. supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what what, what does mike think's gonna happen yeah what if he would have drank the curdle milk then what would have happened now keith you'll you're gonna set up the mad libs here and then we're mm-hmm. gonna we're going to debut the mad lib during what used to be mike has 30 seconds to recap the episode see that's what we're gonna do Oh, oh, okay. Okay, so uh, here it is. The Wait, we're going to debut the what now? You're going to do the Mad Lib now, but then uh, the point was brought up in an email that uh-huh. if we then re- if we debut the Mad Lib from IMDb at that point, it will spoil, it could potentially spoil for me and viewers. So you will, we will prep the Mad Lib now, and we will read it instead of my 30-second recap. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, what I need from you, I need an adjective, mm-hmm. a descriptive adjective, jaundice. <laughs> okay. Now I need a a noun, a uh-huh. a a crime noun, a crime noun. Okay. Um, bludgeon. No, that's a verb. Uh, a crime noun. Uh, uh, well, uh, oh, like a, an a, act a of crime. crime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give, give, give me, give me a, a kidnapping. Something, kidnapping. Something someone can be accused of. Okay. Kidnapping. Okay, and now I need a verb. Um. A verb ending in ing. Uh, sexting. Okay. All right, Very. So. so so there it is. That's what Mike's things Mike thinks jaundiced kidnapping sexting. I feel like nah. that yeah. Alan Shore's involved, so okay. All of that seems uh perfectly appropriate. Okay, folks. The first and only time we did this because it's not very entertaining. <laughs> Just you <laughs> wait. <laughs> now, you, well, I I I think here here's where, how we're gonna improve it next week. I think I gave you too much information. You did. You asked for a verb and a noun. <laughs> yeah, but like I asked, I asked for a crime verb. Oh, you think a crime takes place? How? 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 Forward thinking. I know. I know. It's so crazy. What do you say we find out what happens on this episode, folks? Mike? I think we should do just that. I think we should do just that in a little segment we call "Watching the Episode." <laughs> Wow, such a good segment. Um, yeah, wait, 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 what's what's the bumper on that, Mike? It's time to hit play on this Hulu thing. Um, my wife just keeps walking back and forth, wondering why she made this choice. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> season eight, just episode, today, episode ten, equal justice. Oh, I'm sure she's thinking, uh, based on his tongue, he doesn't have long for the world. It'll be fine. Ah, oh, Mr. Shore, thank you You've for coming. You've been sexting again, Whatever Mr. it is, I didn't do it. From what I've been told, you probably did. Damn. Have a seat. Nailed it. 
There's a rumor going around. Underneath that slick surface, there's a heart of gold. Completely untrue. I got a 19-year-old kid scheduled for a murder trial tomorrow. He's just fired his sixth attorney an hour ago, and he's decided to represent himself. And it's my sense he hires and fires lawyers to buy himself time, and he's successfully done that up till now. That trial will go forward tomorrow. Are we getting to the part that involves me? I'm assigning you to be shadow counsel. Mm-hmm. I've had How very many times do you think this happens? Yeah. Seems like the whole season. And but what's shadow counsel? Shadow counsel. We've we've done this before. It's when somebody represents themselves. They uh-huh. have a real lawyer there to sort of like back them up. But how many times in in real life does a judge assign a lawyer a case the night before the case? Like, does in this world, like three quarters of their cases are assigned to them by a judge the night before the trial. But I feel like that's got to happen like once in a lifetime. In I mean, real I mean, I life. I just don't know. But I do, I would, I would imagine, and I have no facts to back this up. It's my podcast, goddammit. Uh, that the majority of these types of like shadow counsel or last minute things would go to more professional sort of uh, ad hoc defense attorneys. You know, the, the ones who kind of hang around to get cases assigned to them, sort of as like, you know, basically uber defense attorneys. What are they called? Um, you know, the public, public defenders. Public yeah. defenders, yeah. I feel like they're the ones waiting around for these kinds of cases, no? Why do they keep assigning it to these very busy, busy, you know? Well, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know how many of these happen, period. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I very much doubt, <laughs> based on our legal system, that they're, the judge is out there looking for, like, the world-famous, amazing attorneys looking for a human being to uh, to do that to meet the legal standard. But while we're there, let's talk about... Our judge here assigning Alan Shore. The case is played by Jordan Baker from Another Earth, The Post, The Americans, and Hiller and Diller. You're about to get more. Nine o'clock. <laughs> I'd love to accommodate you, but actually I'm starting another trial tomorrow morning. So Who's I... the judge? Okubo. Ah. Only thing you need to know about the Honorable Amy Okubo is that I've got seniority on her. You'll be in my courtroom at 9. She's ordered no further continuances. 9 o'clock, Mr. Shore. All right, Your Honor. Let's cut to it. I couldn't possibly try a case in your courtroom. Because? I'm attracted to you. Oh, Jesus. In fact, I'm obsessed with you. I'm afraid my lust would inhibit my ability to fairly represent my client. You're attracted to me. Yes. Could you lean forward a bit? Mike, lean forward. You are a very sexy man. Kiss me with that jaundiced tongue. Capable of feigning an attraction for a judge just to get yourself off a case. Nine o'clock. I will be getting myself off. I assure you. Ugh. Nine o'clock. Didn't we do this better with Kittleson and Jimmy? Like a million times better. 
And even that was sort of gross, but then, but, but good gross. Yeah, okay, so that's what's happening. We don't really know much about the case at all. It's still just, I just don't understand why they have to, why they would, he clearly, I mean, for all the weird of that scene, the truth is he does have another case. So like there's hundreds and hundreds of defense attorneys. Why is it them? And especially one who's like his reputation clearly precedes him that he's a little bit underhanded. Why do you want to encourage that? He's the star of the show now. We fired everyone else. Shadow Council? The problem is I'm already scheduled for trial before Judge Akubo, who will be anything but pleased. Well, what do you want me to do? Try to get a continuance, which won't be easy. Get a liner client the himself, Mr. Tang Jing Yu. Tang Jing who? Tara knows the case. She'll go with you. No. Just try and get it pushed to next week. No, I'll really no, appreciate no. it. What? Tang who? No. It was not funny the first time. I can't believe Cameron agreed to do that. Twice. Paid well. Twice. Hello, Marshal. I'm Alan Shore. I'm representing myself. That's what I told her. I understand, but she asked me to be shadow counsel, which basically means I see to it that you screw yourself over a little less rather than more. So, what's wrong with all these attorneys you've been firing? Jesus Christ! I don't know why that was so loud. <laughs> I, you should be getting the same level. I don't know what's happening. Anyway... Uh, the defendant here is played by Brendan Jefferson, uh, who you know from Dr. Quinn, Thea, Crimson Tide, and Holes. You, uh, oh, yeah, I do recognize him from Holes. Uh, yeah. You might have thought, man, after three years, could we get an episode that isn't a flaming piece of wreckage? But, uh, no. You're alleged to have out. shot and killed somebody. Yeah, you know. Did you? you? Know. Yes. If you're here, you In front know. of an eyewitness? Your family yes. knows. This would explain what the I'm lawyers so sorry. are suggesting a plea. Look, Mr. Uh, sure, but you can Donald. call me Michael. Oh, no, no. no. You said sorry. your name was Alan. Excellent. You pay attention. This will help. Listen closely, Marshal. After just a cursory view of the facts, my guess is you'll be found guilty. If you insist on representing yourself, it's over. Then I have to fire your ass, too. It may shock you to learn I make for a better lawyer than your average 19-year-old crackhead. I could be wrong. If you don't want to plead, fine, don't. But if you're going to go to trial, use a trained professional. Don't be a complete idiot. It's beneath you. What happened, Shaw? Mr. Shore got called in on an emergency matter. We're going to try to push your case until next week. I don't anticipate that to be a problem, but then... You sure not care. That's not true, Mr. Tang. Mr. Shaw cares very much. No one care. People think big joke. Mr. Tang, I know that you know that I care. Sure think joke. Look at me. We will get the continuance. And everything will be fine. All right, Tara. Are you kidding me? This case is marked. <laughs> I'm not even saying anything anymore. I'm too. I'm enjoying Mike's face when the bumper <laughs> plays too loud. Uh, okay, so this uh, this person that uh, Alan was supposed to be representing, and now Tara and Cameron are doing it, is played by Ty Ma, 
who you would know uh, from many things, uh, including the live-action Mulan, Tiger Tail, Arrival, The Man in High Castle, 24, and he was a biomolecular a physiologist in Samaritan Snare on The Next Generation. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. And while we're, while we're stopped, let us introduce the judge in this case, because I kind of like the uh, synchronicity here. Judge Akubo is played by Freda Fo Shen from Dude, Where Is My Car? Basic Instinct Gideon's Crossing. Uh... The Star Trek movie remake, the Kelvin version, Star Trek, and uh, in the animated Mulan. So in this scene, we have somebody from the animated Mulan and the live-action Mulan. And the last thing from uh, Freda Foshen, not Star Trek, but sort of, she was on the 1975 television show entitled Khan! And I, I say that. Uh, knowing that that's seven years before Wrath of Khan came out, but it is still, uh, the title of the show is Khan, spelled like Khan Noonien Singh, with an exclamation point. So, uh, it actually literally is. Khan! I mean, are you, are you still talking? <laughs> oh, sorry, you just like, you started to hallucinate from jaundice? No, I'm just kidding. Con, man. <laughs> no further continuance. Wake up, Mike. Your Honor, we are ready. But Mr. Shore was suddenly called in on a homicide. I do not care where Mr. Shore is. I am angry about where oh, Mr. The Shore is. This matter has been on my docket for five years. I understand that. But Alan Shore is the fourth attorney of record. Following Robert Donald, Lindsay Dole, and Rebecca Washington. Hey! They exist. Take number five. Still haven't explained why enjoy most of them left. Turf ball in or my where court. they went. That's not going on, I assure yeah. you. Judge Robbins ordered him to shadow counsel on a Judge an... Robbins does not control my courtroom. Your Honor, we're just stuck in the middle here. This is a two or three day trial, Max, and it's a stupid case to begin with. Not stupid. Object. Mr. Tang, the court respects your right to have your day in court. So I'm giving it we to you it right now. Your Honor. You either say ready for trial or we dismiss this complaint. Your choice. Go for it. It's grounds for ready appeal, for baby. Some BS. That's true. What happened now? There is no reason to panic. Case not no. I'm sorry? You, case not no, up creek. Mr. Tang. Case not no, male puppet. Excuse me? I think that he means malpractice. His English isn't very oh. good. Five yeah, years. Mr. buckle Tang, up, Mike. I will be there every step. I promise. Excuse me one second, sir. Do you think you can possibly try this? Me? But I'm not even a member. Third-year law students with supervision can try. But that's criminal, not civil. I will be doing it with you, and the judge will sign up, Tara. He's right. Wouldn't that make the with stakes me, higher? Up Creek. You know the medicals, you've researched the law, you, you seem to have a good connection with the client. But I have never tried a case before. Ever. This Everybody makes no sense. Everybody has a first time. Look, Eleanor could 100% try this. I am not. 
Yeah, just with get us through Tara's the day, help. and then maybe Alan yeah. can take over. Like, how complex is the case that they couldn't? The evidence will show that once the Eleanor drug deal went bad, minutes. the defendant drew a weapon. Stephen Flynn is back as Martin and Toomey. And what you seem to have a good repartee with the client because she treats him like a human being instead of as a cultural appropriated stereotype. I mean, that's a low bar. Uh, oh. Fired three yeah. shots into the victim, killing him. You'll hear from an eyewitness who hey. saw Marshall Bagnell commit this crime. Right, Stephen Flynn. You'll hear back from an Martin expert Toomey. in ballistics who will tell you that the bullets retrieved from the victim's body match the gun found later in the defendant's possession. And after all this evidence is presented, it will be established beyond all reasonable doubt that Marshall Bagnell committed murder. That's a kind of a new angle we don't ever usually see. Into Bailiff Corner. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Your Honor. Mr. Shore. I was drafted for this trial much like all of you were summoned for jury duty. And my reaction was, damn it, I have better things. Uh, in, this episode, in this week's version of Mike points out stupid things, once again, Keith, for some consistency, mm. Alan has his three-piece suit buttoned always and sometimes. Ah. Things to do and sit around in the courtroom all day. Fashion police. Show of hands, how many of you felt burdened? Objection. Counsel. But then I found out it's a murder trial. And part of me went, oh boy, inside, because murder trials, they can be juicy. How many of you went, oh boy? Objection. Mr. Shore. And the great thing you, you about asked this him to be here. murder trial, there's no real tragedy. The victim was a drug dealer. My client is a drug dealer. One is dead. Another we can send to prison for life. It's a win-win. So let's sit back, relax. Enjoy ourselves, shall we? One low life down, one to go. That concludes my opening statement. Okay. How am I doing so far? Mm, we got a reverse psychology scenario here. Mr. Shore. Yes. I'm Tamara Bagnell, Marshall's mother. Ah, very nice to meet you. Ooh, ding ding. This woman is played by Angela Hughes. Was that sexual? My son is on trial for his life, and your opening statement. Miss Bagnell, I assure you I have a plan here. Which is? Okay, I lied. I don't have a plan, but I'm forming one. Stage combat. Nobody slaps me twice, Miss Bagnell. At least not in the face. Man, they're doubling. David Kelly's like, I guys, make the evidentiary get the sexual lines All ready because I'm to doubling do is down. Ask him what happened? Don't lead. Just basically say what happened next and let him tell his story. Okay. And don't move around a lot, Tara. Just plant your feet. Stay still. Why? Because we want the juror's eyes to be on him as he testifies. His story is basically our whole case. Your moving around could be distracting. Because Eleanor now, can't ask questions. Too hot, which is a very likely possibility. You may have to calm him down a little bit. That bad feeling. Mr. Tang, you just need to relax. Tara will basically ask you what happened. Just tell the jury in your own words. 
And a few of ours might help. What? Nothing. Make fun, I talk. You do have an accent, Mr. Tang, so please try and speak slowly. If you need to ask a question twice, don't be afraid to. You can do this. I'm ready. Oh boy, cat. They got into an argument over the price. The price of the cocaine? Yes. I mean, I really wasn't paying attention. I was watching television, and the next thing I know, he's got a gun. The defendant? Man. Yes. He pulls out this gun, and he's screaming, and I think, okay, now it's a robbery, you know, that he's just going to steal the stuff outright. What did you do here? I basically just started screaming, you know, that he's got a gun, and, and that's when Brian went for his gun. And that's when it Brian's happened. Got a Shot gun. him three times. He just killed Brian right there. Now, Andrea, and this is important. When did Brian get his gun in relation to when- I just said that Brian got his gun after that man pulled a gun out on him. And before Brian could even get his gun, he just started shooting. It's a miracle he didn't kill me too. Then he just took the stuff and left. Thank you, Andrea. All right. Witness on the stand. It felt right. So it felt right. It felt right. Felt like I really nailed that. So uh, yeah. So this is fun. So the witness here on the stand is played by Remy Ryan, who, uh, for those of us of a certain age, is an important actress because she plays the little girl in RoboCop Three. She's RoboCop's buddy in in the RoboCop Three. You, you I mean, remember that? How could I forget? Is that the one where he like had a meatball dispenser in his crotch? It was real high high comedy. Oh yeah, well uh, three was it really went off the rails. It's either a coffee dispenser or a meatball dispenser. I think meatball is probably more on, in lines of what I I forget his crotch, but I do remember that movie. How dare you forget Robo? The Drugs Robo are a horrible thing. Robo Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Do you ever use them? I wasn't using that night, if that's what you're going for. My capacity for observation was perfect. That's a legal term. Yeah. Are you a lawyer, Andrea? No. Huh. Have you by any chance spoken to a lawyer before testifying? Say, a district attorney? Objection. I'm merely trying to establish that you put words in her mouth. Objection. Sustained. Andrea, there were drugs on the premises that <laughs> night, weren't there? Obviously. And since you were there on the premises, what were you watching, by the way? Joe Millionaire. Ah, figures. And since you were present with these drugs, Everything old is new you were again. exposed to Joe Millionaire's charges back. as well, weren't you? Might have been nice. Speaking of back, so is... Creepo perv Alan Shore, which I thought we had like evolved from, but no, no, we, we, you know, he went to master criminal, went from creepo to master criminal, back to creepo. To have something to offer the police, I bet something was like, like say testimony. I'm telling master you, like it morals. happened. What was your relationship with Brian, Empathy, the drug was. dealer? He was my boyfriend. Your boyfriend, Brian, the drug dealer, was your boyfriend. Yes. Well, you didn't establish that. That might make you biased. I'm telling the truth. You said that you weren't using that night. You do use, though, don't you, Andrea? Recreationally, occasionally. Ever get arrested? Once. For using or dealing? Dealing. Oh, so you're a drug dealer, too. Well, well tell me. With Brian dead, do you pick up his business? Objection. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Your Honor. My client wants to know. He needs a new connection. 
Mr. Shore, will you step up here, please? You made him do this. Reminder. But also... Is this the way you defend your client? It is, Your Honor. Uh, it, uh... Pull over. Get gas. Need pee. You needed to pee? Yes, long drive. Need pee. Okay, sir, can you tell us what happened next? Bathroom painted. Man say, be careful. Flesh paint on wall. Advice not Apparently, they did not get the memo. Flashback's supposed Objection, to be black and white bleeding. kids. Can you tell us what happened next, sir? EP bad. Go in anyway. And then what happened? Sit on toilet. Do business. Then decide have cigarette. Ugh. Long drive. Need relax. Go left off. Explode. Uh, what happened to you, sir? Knock unconscious. Bottom but. All right. Uh, audio podcast. So I'm going to explain that last scene because you didn't get to watch it. Uh, so listen. I thought it was pretty. It was bad that we were going 100% Asian stereotype. I thought that was bad, Keith. Yeah. But. It turns out that what the actual merits of the case are are as follows. Huh? Our our protagonist here, uh, Mr. Tang, is uh, doing his daily constitutional at what appears to be a, I guess, a gas station restroom, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's lighting a cigarette and he's repurposing the lit match as a uh, a destinker, if you will. I think that's the legal term, if I'm not mistaken. I. Um, uh Okay, yes, continue. I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm probably speculating about the de-stinker, but, you know, two and two. We uh, know what you use them for now. Number two and number two is usually four. He then discards the um, uh, the match into the toilet bowl, and for some reason that explodes the bathroom. <laughs> well, now... And apparently his what he's about to say is that his buttocks were badly burned. Yes, well, okay, so we, what we missed there is that they they had just painted the restroom, okay. and they said, don't go in there, there's still fumes. I'm assuming they poured some, like, what paint explodes? Like, put some <laughs> sort of, like, paint thinner or something into the toilet before he did his constitutional, and they didn't flush, and that's what exploded. That is my understanding. Well, let's watch him blow but, up again. But but that is by far not the most offensive thing coming. So you know. Oh Jesus! Okay. Buckle up. We're gonna need a thinker. Go left off. Explode. Uh, what happened to you, sir? Knock also, wait. Back that up. Bottom back that buttocks, up. Bottom. We're going back, burn, folks. Red, we, we need to roll, go back and watch roll. the watch it explode again. Go in anyway. Because and then what happened? And I understand why they had to do this. Because they needed to show the fire coming out, but there's 16 windows in this bathroom, and none which, of them are which, open here in the shot. Which is like, first off, why are there 16 bathrooms? Or, I mean, windows in a bathroom. Second of all, the bathroom itself is its own freestanding building. Yes, and if we are, if the shot that they have established what the bathroom looks like on the inside is, if you were to compare that to the explosion shot, this man would be dead. 
Oh yeah, no, because like fires well over the top of his head. Do business, then decide have cigarette and light it Long like drive. this for some reason. Relax. Because most people have matches. I mean, that is okay. Now explode those windows from the explosion side. There's a window like. Face to face, if you're doing your constitutional <laughs> and you go to that window, you are nose to nose with the person doing the constitutional. That window doesn't have a, a shade, doesn't have a covering, it doesn't even have glass. It's just an opening so you can be like there and have a nice conversation with whoever's doing his constitutional. You see, so this case is, is a rather straightforward. The case I want to hear about, Keith, is mm -hmm. the guy in line waiting to take a shit who gets blowed up because this guy lit a match and he just happened to be at the window and he now has shrapnel everywhere. Just making unbroken eye contact with the shitter. Then he gets uh. fire in the face. <laughs> I, what happened to you, sir? Not unconscious. Bottom buttocks, bottom, burn, red, raw. Low skin bottom, burn, red, raw. Were you taken to hospital? Yes, hospital. Tara, do not Bottom laugh. Burn, red, raw. You must have been, you must have been terrified, sir. Not funny. Blow off toilet bowl. Not funny. This poor, poor man. This is. My God. I am so, so sorry. Don't apologize to her. I was just so anxious to begin with that. He's apologizing accident. to Eleanor. And the nature of the accident, I just... The jury now thinks it's a big joke, Tara. This well, Eleanor, what, what's your... What do you, where do you get off? He has waited five years to get into court. So and, you, and you wouldn't even take his case. I'm the jury pissed off. Trivialized this matter. Eleanor, you know that I never intended... <sighs> Mr. Tang... I am so. What did Mr. What is this? What's this actor's name? Tai Ma, who is a well-respected actor who has done many, many things. What was his agent's pitch? And he's like, "Listen, it's a job. <sighs> this is a job. Like, I, I, and look, we'll we'll talk about it more when we get the full context of the thing. But like, this is just." the lowest form of racial lazy racial stereotyping and look i i have to admit that like in in one of my shows there was a character who an asian character who also had broken english but was based on a real person and they were direct quotes from the real person that i was referencing this isn't this is just lazy bad like fire red burn bum like I, I, even if you have a language barrier that's not how you're gonna say it that's just oh it's bad it's bad it's bad so sorry. boo i deeply apologize i'm also upset with eleanor because you put this scenario to get you well, this is, you well, trying she was to also making i promise you i'm stupid not stupid racist jokes already What's up with that? Calm down, Marshall. I was merely trying to demonstrate to the jury that I don't like you. You see, they don't like you. 
You shot somebody three times. They naturally consider you despicable. So by showing them I find you despicable, it makes me more relatable to them. It gives me some credibility. So when I say at the end of all this, find him not guilty, I might have a chance of convincing them. I thought this guy was, rep he was representing himself. Uh, Alan I'm a human being, Mr. Shaw. No, you're not. You're a drug addict. You'll testify next. We're just going to, like, let wins. that. You just need to do as I tell you, Marshall. Nothing more. Like and tell your mother to stop hitting me. So that's not a tactic. That's just the point of view of Alan Shore. Is that she was right about someone suffering from addiction is not a human you being. You want to too much. One and a half the street value. So you shot him. We got into a yelling match. We both got a little hot. So you shot him. I didn't just shoot him. Well, tell us what happened, sir. But if you don't mind, just fast forward to the good part. I just said that's it. I wanted to call the whole deal off. That's when he pulled back his jacket to show that he was packing. Packing. For those of us who don't carry a firearm, packing means he had a gun. Yeah. And at some point, did you show him that you were packing? Yes. I pulled out my gun to show him that, you know, I wasn't intimidated. Guys, flashbacks are in and black and white. I saw his eyes flash, and Follow he pulled his gun. And it wasn't just to show me he had it. Now, he drew. So I pointed my gun at him and, and yelled, don't. But his gun is in his hand, about to point it at me, but about to shoot But neither one of them me. have their fingers on the trigger. So I figured, you know, anywhere I, near either it. I shoot or, or I'm, I'm dead. So I shot. I fired three times real quick, and he went down. He drew his gun. Keep yes. if I may. If I hadn't Maybe. fired, I'd be dead. Uh, you know, we often like to, Keith, and Keith already pointed this out, so we often like to point out when extras are doing extras and things like that. <clears throat> So uh, only a couple of shoots I've done where I've had to handle a firearm, and in all of those, before the set is active, so like as your set's getting your blocking ready and before they roll camera and all that stuff, they have you place your finger exactly where we saw that finger, outside the the, the, the trigger uh, right. lane. So it seems like that actor was just being very, very careful uh, even after like they called action. But both of them, they yep. maybe they just filmed the rehearsal. Did we're like, yeah, we got it. Did you it. know that Brian, the drug dealer, was suspected of murdering somebody before? Objection: The victim had never been charged in any homicide before, and counsel is rephrase. Well Did you know that Brian, the drug dealer, had never actually been charged with shooting a woman twice in the head, blowing it? Objection: The victim was briefly Little investigated fan. in a drug-related killing, and that is all. He never became the actual suspect, and I object to this blatant distortion of the facts. Can't we all just get along? Ugh. Mr. Shore. That's like what a mystery. Right did you there? know about Brian the drug dealer? I have to ask it like he that. But please Rodney get King. in what I want you to get in. Objection! Mr. Shore! There was a rumor that he had capped a girl doing a drug buy. I know that. Thank you. That wasn't so hard, was it? <clears throat> How many times have you been arrested, Mr. Bagnell? Five or six. Actually, it's seven. You brought a concealed weapon to this drug transaction? Yes, because sometimes stuff goes down like it has now. I need to protect myself. Oh, you need to protect yourself. Objection. There's no call for sarcasm, Your Honor. 
Sustained. You didn't report this shooting, did you, sir? You fled the scene. I figured his girlfriend would report it. But if you were innocent, if it truly were self-defense, why run away? It was a drug deal. Yes, a drug deal where there was a dispute over price. Now, you had argued with the victim before over price, hadn't you, sir? He was a gouger. But this time, you'd had enough. You went carrying a gun, you shot him three In times. In self-defense. Objection. Did he ever fire at you? No, but what am I supposed to And you didn't wait, did you, sir? I would have been dead. So many questions. May I ask a question? I forgot one. You were advised, were you not, sir, not to go into the bathroom? Not this advised on explode. Advice on paint. You can read English, Mr. Tang. Yes. Did you see the signs that said no smoking? No. You didn't see any of the posted signs? No. Is that a truthful response, sir? Yes, true. Why not object badger? I'm not trying to badger you, sir. Did it not occur to you, smoking a cigarette, lighting a match at a gas station, that this could be dangerous? People smoke in bathroom all time. They do. Yes. He knows Place badger, but not the. Go pee. Loose pants. So smoke. Stupid. But you knew, sir, that this bathroom had just been painted, again. that there could be fumes inside. Now you expect boom like that. Bottom, burn, red, raw, explode, anus. <laughs> you don't accept any blame for this. Badger, why not object, male puppet? Look, she laughed, make joke. Male puppets, male puppets. Oh, you got a little cigar fighting, a little like a silly guy. Not fair, not fair. This might be the most offensive. Like, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything been that's been more offensive on the show. Truth Lies Monkeys? It's in the yeah, universe. Yeah, Sex Lies Monkeys is probably Mr. Good. Tang. Not care. What happened now? Well, we go to closing arguments. Defense not put case? The defense rested, evidently believing that we didn't make our case. Sometimes that's employed as a strategy. Dude. Here's here here's where the universe gets out of our control, right? So normally, I mean, in a normal universe, Tara, there'd be no living chance in hell she still has a job today. No. But let's take a look at Sharon Stone. Let's take a look at Alan Shore. I mean, these people have done egregious things, and Eleanor has been a party to them. So I guess the precedent has been set. It don't matter. Right? Like, this is small potatoes compared to that shit. I mean, shit. I feel like the case would have been thrown out. That would have been a mistrial. Well, if that judge, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, Not to mention, there's only 18 minutes to go here. I, what is, I, I mean, like, outside of just the blatant point of, like, this is horrific. You shouldn't treat people this way, which is sort of like, good. I mean, that's, do we need a, a 45 minutes of television for that? I mean, there's got to be a more nuanced way to tell a more interesting story about that. I don't know. I, I'm, where the, what are we, and in the other case, where are we going? What's happening? This must be learning? very difficult for you, ma'am. Your son on trial for murder. It is. I'm sure you must feel, as many of us do, it's all your fault. You were never home. I had to work. He never knew his father. You have to be somewhat to blame for that. How about his probation officer? Ever meet with him? No. Ever get your son into any kind of drug rehab program? We didn't have money for that. I tried to do all I could. Move to strike. Counsel. I note he got thrown out of school a sophomore year. Why? Drugs. Did his principal come by to explain? No. 
It was zero tolerance. He just got expelled. He sounds like an awful child. Just between us. Glad to be rid of him? That's quite a look you're giving me. Tell me, have you ever shot anybody? Thank you. I thought that went well. What are your thoughts? That's a fair response. Get off me. Take it easy. Get off me. Easy. Don't get off. Marshal, I won't stay in the room with you if you're gonna beat me up. Can we have a conversation without you beating me up? Yes. I need you to promise. I promise. Let him up. Are you sure? My clients hit me all the time. Let him up. Let's go. Thank you. Please go. It's all right. Marshal, at the very beginning of this, I asked you to trust me. Did I not? No! I didn't? I meant to. I'm sorry. You're supposed to be my lawyer. You're supposed to do everything you can. You're supposed to care. I am your lawyer. Trust that. It's not particularly. Well, helpful. you know, and and like here's the thing. In open right? court, it's not funny, Jamie. It's not a. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that like, oh, he's going to do a turn and like, and it's all going to try to make sense or whatever. But it's all false drama, right? Because whatever his strategy is, it's not. He can explain it's, it's, it yes. to his client, right? And his, I was going to say, he, you can go to his client and say like, hey, I'm going to treat you like shit. I'm going to treat your mother like shit, but there's a reason for it and it's this and here's why and here's why i think this strategy is going to work not holding that back doesn't benefit anything other than the drama of the show mm -hmm. it's false drama it makes no sense mm -hmm. in fact it's actually it, in in actual practice it would be <laughs> it would harm the client because let's say that that kid just strangled alan Right or did what happened to Bobby? Like that then could obviously right. They easily cause... could have charged him with assault. Yeah. So and compounded the yeah. It's 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 you know what that it's not false drama. It's just these lazy things, writing. Lazy writing. Sometimes they happen. It happened twice. Jamie, could you excuse us, please? Could you get out of the episode, please? Jamie's like, thanks for the paycheck. Peace. <laughs> I want Probably you to gets close. paid either way. Excuse me? Good or bad, you have the relationship with the jury here. It would throw them if I suddenly got up. No, I don't know that I agree with that. Do you think that? you're capable of standing up and behaving like a professional? Speaking of Mad Libs, this was like written yes. by Mad Libs episode. Thank you. I'm not doing this for you. I just believe it's best for the client if you the dig yourself. The client who I've made fun home. of behind his back, like the first thing I did was make fun of his name. 
twice. Well, if I'm to believe that she really passed this case off because she felt unprepared, I feel like at some point you'd be like, I'm better prepared than the person who keeps laughing at him in open court. Yeah, I can literally not literally fall out of my chair laughing at my own client in open court. But Keith, aren't you learning a lesson? I, I'm learning a lesson. I don't think it's the one he wanted me to. Mr. Tang, the jury might be confused if I got up. She'd think he's funny. Up Creek, no ping pong. Oh, I can't wait for this close. The, 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 the heavy lift he that she has to do here. Paddle. Woo. Ms. Wilson, are you ready? It would be awesome. It appears as though the judge is an Asian American also, so it'd be great for her to just lay the smack down. When like, I began law school, disgrace, but. I was convinced that American juries would be negatively predisposed against my British accent. Oh. So I learned to speak American. The thinking being that the better the jurors related to me, the better my chances of persuasion. And let's face it, Americans are pretty arrogant about the English language. They expect the rest of the world not only to learn it, but to speak it the way they do. Tanjing Yu doesn't speak English very well. He even sounds a little funny. Combine his accent with the fact that he got blown off a toilet. I laughed. Maybe some of you did as well. But what's not so damn funny is that this man was hurt. He suffered third-degree burns. He's scarred for life. Is he partly to blame? Absolutely, he should not have been smoking. But the question is, who is to blame more? Is it foreseeable that people smoke in lavatories? Of course it is. People smoke in bathrooms, in high schools, on aeroplanes, in gas stations. And knowing that this sometimes goes on you do not put flammables in a toilet bowl. To do so, that is negligence. And as amusing as it all may be, as a result of this negligence, an innocent man was injured. He waited five years to get to trial, only to be laughed at by his own lawyer. He should sue them too. No. This man suffered real pain. And he deserves better. That was a heavy lift, and it was lifted about as much as I would have doing a heavy lift, which is He not knew the room had just been painted. He was told not to go in. The no smoking signs were posted, the room had fumes, and still, he lights a match. He caused this. He blew up my client's bathroom, and he's suing. Lock the bathroom. Come on. That may not technically be a legal argument, but let me say it again. This was his negligence, not ours. Lock the bathroom. And you know that. Out of order. Locked. Flush the toilet. When you dump flammable chemicals, the question which, is a simple one. What are they anyway? What are you fucking painting with? 
Is it foreseeable that someone might light a match and drop it in a toilet bowl? If no, yeah, fine for the defendant. Yeah. If yes, have lit in a few. fine for the plaintiff. Eleanor looking on like this beam of pride. Like she, oh, you've done like she so planned good. this whole thing. Oh, like, this, gosh, this, whole, this whole arc was great. She's thinking what I'm thinking. Ten more episodes. <laughs> I don't know whether you saved yourself. But that was a good closing, Tara. It was simple and persuasive. You did a very good job. Imagine how good it would have been had you not laughed at your client Thank twice you. in open court. Oh, here comes the offer. Ready for it? Can we talk? You heard Andrea Mill's testimony. There was a dispute over price. The defendant pulled his gun and he fired. You can't claim self-defense, ladies and gentlemen, if you cause somebody to reach for a gun only so you can then blast him. That's ridiculous. Now, to be honest, I, I don't know what the hell defense counsel is up to in this trial. I suspect all that nonsense was motivated by the fact that Mr. Shore knew he had no case. The defendant pulled a gun in front of an eyewitness and shot somebody. What could his lawyer really say or do so Mr. Shore tried to deflect attention onto himself? But this isn't about a lawyer's antics. We are not in this room to enjoy defense counsel's sideshow. We are here because his client committed a murder. A man is dead. Ding, 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 ding. Everything he said is true, Keith. That's true. But if anyone can pull the flipsy dipsy, it's Alan Shore. Here we go. At the beginning. It's closing time. I'm gonna give him the bumper instead. Cause the other case didn't deserve it. That doesn't rhyme. You heard we me mention that I was assigned this case. We have this pro bono program because somebody has to be here for the guy. See, that's where our judicial system actually exceeds real life. In here, somebody's gotta be there for the guy. In life, Marshall Bagnell never met his father. His mother worked full-time, leaving him home alone all day. He got involved early in drugs. There was nobody there to get him in treatment. His parents, his teachers, school principals, probation officers, people vested with a responsibility of caring for him a little, they didn't. And he became a drug addict. Now, I'm not gonna stand here and ask you to care for him, God forbid. But what I will ask is for you to recognize that life hasn't been very fair to Marshall Bagnell. The irony is, by pulling that trigger three times, he gets thrown into a system that's required to treat him fairly. He gets a right to a fair trial. And if you afford him that right, he must necessarily be found not guilty. 
The supposed eyewitness admitted she was watching television, her own words. She wasn't looking at the men at the time my client drew his weapon. She told you that. She did not see. Now, what she did see supports precisely what Marshall told you. The victim was going for his gun. At that point, my client could only shoot or be shot. That's self-defense. That's classic self-defense. And think about it. If Marshall Bagnell wasn't acting in self-defense, why did he not shoot Andrea Mills? Why did he leave behind this eyewitness? Perhaps because she wasn't about to shoot him. Of course, you could choose to ignore all this simply because you don't care, not only about Marshall Bagnell, but also about the law you swore to uphold. Swore to because what we do pretend to care about is the integrity of this system. We do believe in that cherished notion of the fair trial. We are fiercely loyal to the ideal that a prosecution must satisfy its burden of proof. They haven't done that here. As dearly as we'd all love to send Mr. Bagnell to prison, we cannot know for a fact that the victim, a drug dealer, rumored to have killed somebody before, didn't draw his gun to shoot first. We cannot know beyond all reasonable doubt that Marshall Bagnell didn't fear for his life. And if he did reasonably fear for his life, if you believe it's possible that he feared for his life, you must find him not guilty. Unless, of course, you don't care. See, on both of these, like, there's a little buyback, but not nearly as much as David E. Kelly thinks there are. There is. Yeah, because, be, okay, I, I, I get it. 63,000? I get it, what his, like, final swerve is there. But I don't know that it's served by him being a prick to them the whole time through. Like, well, he could have made course, that case throughout, right? Um, um, well, right. And it's like, you're, you're also, what is this case on right the case is about self-defense it is about his intent in that one moment you know him making a point about the unfairness of this guy's entire life is well taken but and, and like i agree and and all of that he did and 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 the compassion that he's trying to elicit is completely right and just and fair but completely irrelevant to the case Utterly well, irrelevant to what's yeah. being argued. And think about, well, his clothes there was pretty simple, right? Like, and instead of being a douche from the beginning, he could have made those points being like, hey, dear witness, did he shoot you? Dear witness, did he show any threat towards you? Dear witness, like he didn't do right. any of that heavy lifting during the case. And as far as this tactic, and we can talk about this in tires, every This Is America case with Eugene did this exact basic thing with Eugene following through the whole case and then making this ostensibly this close. Right. Cause so you're, it's, you're laying the groundwork for the wrong thing. 
You're not right. laying the groundwork for self-defense. You're laying so the really, groundwork to have some empathy for this person. What what David E. Kelly is basically doing here is recycling that thing, that idea, and just hiding it behind the bluffery of Alan Shore, which he's we find him much more compelling when he's doing actually being a lawyer and not just like all the well, shenanigans. And, and and as we said before. If he, like, let's say he really thought that empathy for this guy, compassion for this guy was the whole case and that I'm basically going to have to go on jury nullification, mm -hmm. right? Because that's, because you're basically saying like, this guy had a raw deal. Let's not convict him for murder, even though he did it right then. And he thought, so that's part one. And part two is he thought like being a dick is the way to elicit that empathy, is a way to get that jury nullification. Like we said before, there's no reason not to tell your client what you're up to. Zero. All right. Well, in other things that don't make sense, let's go back. Uh, they've apparently offered, I think, 63000 to Mr. Tang. We could get more, but we could get nothing. I think it's a decent offer. Clearly, you were hurt. But just as clearly, there was contributory negligence. What think? I think we should take it. What think? I believe that we should accept as well. Okay. Okay. I'm going to accept then. Okay. This is a good result, Mr. Tang. Okay. Great performance by him in, in light of all that crap. Thank you for closing. Good closing. Mr. Tang. I owe you a sincere apology. Give already, thank you. Appreciate closing. No, no, no. Sorry, David E. Kelly. You can't write justifications at me always. into your characters. Like, oh, he I said angry. it was okay. You wrote those words. It doesn't make it okay. Apologize. You don't get to buy it back by forcing your actors to say things to that like, oh, it's okay. Anything. Now he's apologizing. Fuck you. Not. Well, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. But I'm actually, I'm just marveling at, at his performance because. That's a terrific performance. Well, no, it's, be, but it's, be, it's, it's beyond that because. Here's an actor. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like put myself in that. Sh and once again, privilege, privilege, privilege. That is not. That is. This is not something I generally de ever deal with, right? So, but to 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 first say, the easily could have been like this script is bullshit, right? Like that's it's just a farce of 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 disrespect. But this guy was like, I am going to find humanity in this character, and and. And by the end, I think I can, by showing his forgiveness and what I, 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 the heavy lift, I agree, does not work. And it's, and, but I really am commending the, 
the fucking effort that he's given it because uh that's it's that's this wasn't good <laughs> thank you and you're right they are trying to write themselves off the hook there yeah there's such a much because there's a much more nuanced way you could how do long this. do they usually take and by not that it's not that hard there's really so no telling the, the judge will probably keep us here until six Look, I'm sorry I jumped you. <laughs> okay, I we're going to do the same scene again. Kind of had a strategy. Why didn't you just tell us what it was? It takes the fun out of it. Sh terrible answer. I suppose I should thank you and all. Oh, well, now we're going to do the money. same thing again. Guys, You're keep this. fraud, you know that? He's hype. You do care about my son. Does he? You're not fooling me. You know, you. Mm, I got big feelings about this. Mm -hmm. Jury's back. Oh, what does that mean? It's so soon. It's so late. Who knows? Could mean this. Could mean that. Holy crap! We go back to the well so much. Keith, this episode is so full of bullshit fumes. I hope you don't light a match. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna light one. What does it mean that it's so fast? It's usually a good sign when you win, not a bad one when you lose. Not in a second, Marshall. Hang in there. We already had the one episode this season where Alan Shore loses the case. I suspect you're all right, buddy. Everybody's Members off the of the jury, today. have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. The defendant will please rise. What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Marshall Bagnell on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Marshall Bagnell, not guilty. In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Marshall Bagnell on the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Marshall Bagnell, guilty. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are dismissed with the thanks of this court. Security, take the defendant into custody. We are adjourned. We'll explore grounds for appeal, Marshal. Marshal, look at me. There's still some things we can do. We'll explore all grounds for appeal. Are we going to continue Marshall, with this case, or is that we okay? have to learn something here? Marshal. I'll come visit you tomorrow. The correct line there was, you have to trust me. And then we continue, we cohesive thread to tie over to the next episode. Or Alan's supposed to learn something? I don't know. It's allergy season, kids. Okay. Well, that was a thing that happened that we watched. Uh, now, uh, if you if you missed all of that, please allow me to give uh, the recap of this episode as written by Michael and Deglio. Mike Libs. Alan Shore uses jaundice tactics when he's appointed to by the court to defend a young man accused of kidnapping. 
Meanwhile, Tara must try her first case when she's thrown into sexting Shore's previously scheduled client. That, that, that wasn't. That's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, you did good. You did good. All right. Can you recap it in uh, fewer syllables than that? Sure, Keith. I would love to do that. Alan has a plan. Tara has her first real case. Insert Asian joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that uh that seems about right. Uh yeah, uh although I am loath to do it, I think it's time to hand out some fake awards for this episode in a segment we call Ladies and Gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show that begin every week with the very appropriate... I guess it's gonna be Tara. Uh, I guess. Can you? Is there anybody else we can give it to? I'm giving it to Martin Toomey. He got the conviction. Yeah, he was pretty good too. I thought he was as like he's the only person based in any sort of rational reality where he's like, yeah, the dude shot the other dude. It's a murder. He killed a guy, and that's kind of that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. All right, this one this one is easier. Already, Already famous, famous. Cookies been on TV, getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way to go! But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. All right. Hello. I'll do it. I'll play this part, but only on the mm -hmm. contingency that 20 plus years from now, two white dudes do a podcast uh -huh. to talk about how much bullshit it was, the writing of this character, and I better win a goddamn award for it. Yeah. Is is that a butterfly knife? <laughs> Are you holding up an illegal weapon as a cell phone? No. No, it's a, it's a leather knife. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, sure, sure it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, like, Taimod deserves everything for putting himself through this. Uh, I hope he was paid well. Uh, he, I mean, the thing is, he's a terrific actor. And, you know, you see him all the time. He, he works a great deal, and 
is a terrific actor. Something and tells me if that wasn't offer only, if there were auditions, that the only pages he got was the final scene with Tara. Oof. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. <sighs> well, I mean, I guess it's Spader's episode, but he's just doing the same Spader stuff. I mean, it's getting it's getting old. Uh, and this isn't the Spader stuff I like, as it as it, it as far as Alan Shore is concerned, or that I that I prefer at least. Uh, uh, who plays Tara again? What's the actress's name? Who plays Tara again? Good lord! Come on, so I, Rona I just, Mitra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and and Cameron sort of tag team this, and though. We you know we can't blame them for the writing they 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 lift us heavy I mean Tara uh, we're not trying to have to laugh and then and then the heavy lift to like get it back I mean that's a lot of lift she you know what for the hernia alone she should get the oopsie <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I I have to separate what I think of the writing from what I think of the performance and uh it, it feels like the this is the uh, the consolation prize uh fake awards like the the consolation oopsies because like rona deserves an oopsie just for having had to do that mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. so uh but honestly i think she did she did a really good job and showed yes. some vulnerability there um oh and jamie her, stringer was in the episode for a hot second too let's not forget for hot, yeah that's true i mean her her fake american accent wasn't great but it was effective at what she was trying to do so yeah Rona Mitra, congratulations on your fake awards. Uh, coming up, someone who I'm also offended by. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom so Brady. So easy. Tom Brady getting blown off a toilet, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... Easy? Uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. Very good. Warm it up. Let's warm it up. All right, everybody stretch. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to do something unprecedented right now. Mm. I have feelings, but I don't even think that my feelings uh, fit inside a box inside of a box of what Keith's feelings are. Not only having prepared for this episode, but having having to now watched it at least twice. Yeah. Uh, and also as a writer who yeah. understands the challenges of writing and also understands what phoning it in is. So what I would like to do for this segment, I am going to seed my vote and my time to Keith to just let us know what's up. Keith, you get yeah. to give the full Higher ranking for this episode. And I'll give you the floor. All right. So, this episode falls into a lot of traps as a writer. 
particularly as a straight white dude writer. And I say this owning the fact that I am all of those things. And when you are going to write um, about race and about racial stereotypes, and again, I say this from a standpoint of having written things that I wouldn't write today. You know, using all of those and, and because there, there's two things. One, the racial stereotype, especially comes coming from somebody speaking with a second language and using that for comedy, right? I, I'm guilty of that, right? And two, having a, another character, um, be racist and behave in a racist manner without being called out for it, without having any accountability for that character. I'm guilty of that too, right? And and I have to own that. Um, and so I, I say all of this from the standpoint not of somebody who shouldn't be throwing stones, who hasn't learned and and would like to and you know would like to think that I'm writing from a a more enlightened perspective today even when I'm writing I don't think David E Kelly had malicious intent in writing any of this I I I think David E Kelly I don't think David E Kelly is is somebody who glorif wants to glorify this type of thing I think it's just writing from a place of laziness and writing from a place of entitlement and playing for the cheap joke with broken English without having any sort of, um, it's, it's, you know, without even having the speech patterns be realistic of broken English. I'm just writing what I think is funny because like the, like even even the brokenness itself was written for comedy mm-hmm. and to have the characters write it from comedy and it's we're laughing we when we do comedy right you can joke about anything but where the joke is aimed who are you who are you aiming the joke at right are you aiming the joke at the the idiots who are laughing at this? Are you aiming the joke at the people who, um, you know, are you, are you punching up, right? This punches down, right? We are actually laughing at somebody for their lack of grasp at English, but I'm going to write it in such a way that it is like hilarious and, and it doesn't even make any sense contextually. And it's just punching down. And it's a lazy stereotype. It's bad. It's, you know, demanding a performance, which is not just a linguistic lazy stereotype, but also the lazy stereotype of the behavior. And it's bad. It's just, you know, and look, again, context is everything. In 2003, we still thought this was funny, right? And and from his point of view, with good intentions. I really do think there are good intentions there. It's just really ignorant good intentions. 
you know, it's like the white savior. I think I'm, I think I'm doing something good. Like I'm going to have compassion for this guy, but we're going to laugh at him first. And it's still going to be hilarious. But then we're like, oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, it's, you know, again, in context, it's different, but here's, you know, and, and, and the same thing with, with Alan's case, his playing into his, his being an asshole, his being a, being a jerk, playing into all the racist stereotypes. It's just, you know, if, you know, from his point of view, he did have a plan. He had a thing he was trying to accomplish, but not explaining it to the people. That's just, you know, that's just lazy writing from a sense of false drama. But here's the thing that I think is really ugliest about this, right? Because, all right, you know, you, you don't know any better. You're trying to, you're trying to make a point and it's positive or whatever. And, and like you, you do some lazy comedy and you think it's, it's hilarious to you and your buddies. Uh, but in both cases, at the end of the show, I think realizing like David E. Kelly had some awareness that what he was doing was offensive and the way he tried to solve that at the end of both cases was having actors of color, not only justify the behavior, the racist behaviors of the other of our heroes on the show. And by extension, the writing, the actors of color writing the white guy writing into their mouths justifying this but also both characters apologized to our heroes on the show for being offended by our characters behaving in this awful manner so i apologize for being angry at you for humiliating and laughing at me in open court. And that is just an ugly buyback that I'm surprised the actors were willing to even say. And it's like, that's just bad. Like, I'm going to, you know, and I'm not saying you can't portray your characters being culturally insensitive or outright racist. Of course not. You, you, you can absolutely portray that. But you don't justify it in your writing and then have an actor of color apologize to them for not liking their behavior. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly. It's bad. It's lazy. And yes, it was, it was 20 years ago. But somebody as smart and as aware as David E. Kelly should have known better then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <sighs> all right. So that is, that's what I have to say about that. I, I think this is the most offensive show since sex lies and monkeys. Um, and, uh, as a result, you, I think you, you should rate it as well. Uh, but I'm giving it a, uh, a 3.1. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Keith enumerated there on the, all the problems and and it you know i really thought and you know this probably i'll i'll acknowledge my sort of what's my inherent bias and the fact that i'm no better than you know many people too i really thought oh well they cast uh who appears to be an asian american actress as the judge in that case 
they'll have her lay the smack down at the end because then that will maybe empower uh, people of color, someone of color to like lay down the smack or the to to right. sort of dress down. But they hold didn't, accountable. Hold, hold accountable. Yeah. But instead, there was that apology. So I agree with everything you said. I, I find, you know, there's there's two main types of mysteries when you look at mystery television. A la, you've got your uh, your whodunits, so like your murder she wrote, where you go along with uh, the detective and you are trying to solve the mystery as it goes along, or you've got your uh, um, what is it called? How donuts, where or, or no, your who catchems or something like that. I forget. I forget the the name, but like a Columbo, where you know from the beginning who did it, and you're just going to see. Oh, how's the detective going to unravel this? And both of those have different reasons why they're compelling. <laughs> what has started to happen, and in the worst episodes of the practice, it's like they write backwards from the closing. Here's the closing, which is going to be our thesis statement, and then we'll just kind of like fill in backwards. And that is just just terrible TV to watch because all of the beats you hit up to that point serve no purpose. They're either just like lazy comedy beats or red herrings or at worst just stupid, right? And this is the latter of those, right? Because none of the stuff that happens in the courtroom up to the closings, which they're not even that effective, means anything or makes any sense, in no world would you basically turf your whole case up until the closing and hope that you could pull one out. It, it makes I think no you're sense strategically. Them, I think you're giving them too much credit. This wasn't written back from the close. This was written from like, red fire, bum, anus, fire, boom. It, maybe. I, I, it was written from that. Like, how can I, like, I my, found my, that hilarious in my head. How do I how do I write this into an episode? Maybe. I, I honestly, like. My, my point is that it's, they, nothing, the way it was set up, nothing about the cases, the murder case, the, they even had a witness, the, the testimony, the flashbacks, which weren't even following the rules of flashbacks that they've established, was compelling, was interesting, was even, made even made any sense. You know what I mean? Like they, uh, so it's, it's, it's worse than bad. It's, it's, really offensive and kind of terrible um which sucks because and it undid all the character work we had done with alan it completely wasted tara and made her just sort of like of now everyone's an asshole and cameron holier than thou and then proud mama none of it made any goddamn sense so uh and, and you know what with, with alan with alan it's the same thing as the the punchline red red bum fire whatever it's like what is the dickiest thing i could possibly imagine alan saying then let's figure out a, a reason for him to say it and uh, and then a way to buy it back alan's it's close like, was even worse because alan's close wasn't even a good one wasn't even like a well-written articulated this the society's let this kid down right it, it wasn't right. Even good it was just like meh it's just like heard, yeah, like what I mean, like the premise in the writer's room, which I think is just David E. Kelly's head. It's like, what if Alan goes in and he he argues the entire case that his client is garbage and we should throw him away? How cool would that be? Like, that's how that got written. Uh, but then Trump. But then, oh, 
didn't I tell you to trust me? And then I'm like, what? What? That kid should mal- talk about malpractice, whatever they call Yeah. Um, anyway, I think it's worse than the other one. Whereas that was bad, this is worse um, because I think, I truly believe they thought they were doing like a, a public service. I really think the right. I think they thought they were coming out of this. They thought this was a very special episode of the. Yeah, like we really made a point here. So I'm going to give it two and a quarter. Uh, I think it's the worst I've seen, Um, and we've seen some bads. We've seen some bads. I mean, I gave I gave uh, sex lives and monkeys a flat out one because it was saying because of how it treated rape victims. What did I give it? You gave it a three. Okay, so I yes, I am lower two and a quarter. I gave it. I'm giving this. Um, just how okay. I feel. So here, so the big question becomes like this is this is pretty much the halfway mark. Uh, well, I guess we're like an episode or two from that. So what? Where, how do you? Where are we? Go- I don't know, man. Of season eight, yeah. Af- after we finish next episode, we'll be halfway through season eight. We've dug so, a hole uh, for ourselves. Speaking of holes, we've dug a hole for ourselves. Well, I mean. Here's here's nowhere the to weird go but part. up, buddy. Nowhere to go but here's, up. You know, and I and I don't want to like do too much spoilers, but the next episode is one of the highest rated episodes of the series, according to IMDb. Oh, well, so huh. okay, get ready for some whiplash, folks. All righty. Thank you so much for listening to the Out of Practice podcast. Once again, if you would like to contact us, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the social medias at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, leave us a rating and review in memoriam of the show. You can uh, leave us the rating on Apple Podcasts. We will happily read it and celebrate your contribution to the show by letting you join the jury we will also celebrate your contribution to the show by supporting our patreon and before mike tells you how to do that let me just list off our patrons our founding sponsors who we really appreciate including cloud lover 69 cloud lover 69 jorge Navoa, alan zimmerman and brian kaufman if you would like to join them as keith said patreon.com slash k and m jump aboard it's a train to just success and acclaim <laughs> hey it's thanks for sticking with us all these years and there will be years to come but before you get off the train if you got to do a potty break find the most fume-filled dangerous neglected bathroom and fire off some laser sounds Laser sounds. Acclaim, huh?